starting the week with a bit of trash talk with the one and the only Marcy Trent Long. And this week, Marcy speaks with uh, Dana Winograd about uh, from Plastic Free Seas about the Plastic Treaty. Good morning, Noreen, and happy Monday to all the Trash Talk listeners out there in Hong Kong. Not sure if you have heard the buzz, Noreen, but there's something called the Global Plastic Treaty, sponsored by the United Nations Environment Program, that's being negotiated as we speak. And it comes on the heels of the passage of the Global Climate Change Agreements by the UN. The idea is if we can reduce carbon emissions together, well, that means all of us in Hong Kong and on the planet Maybe we can also find a way to solve the plastic pollution crisis. Well, that's certainly the idea. So we've invited our Trash Talk partner, Plastic Free Seas, Representative Dana Winograd, onto the show today to talk about the plastic treaty and what it could mean for Hong Kong's plastic pollution. So welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure having you on the show, sweetie. So let's just maybe start from the beginning and maybe you can give us a little background on the Global Plastic Treaty. Okay. Um, let's start back in March last year at the United Nations Environmental Assembly, where 175 nations adopted a resolution to develop this international legally binding treaty on plastic pollution. And they've set a really tight um, deadline for themselves, which is 2024. Which I must say is incredibly ambitious. It is, it is very <laughs> ambitious. So, but that's, that's for another discussion. <laughs> exactly. So is, is that next year? Yeah, it is. It, by the <laughs> end of next year, they hope to have all of this hashed out. Now they have already had two major meetings, what are called INC. They've had INC one and two. And INC is a bit of a mouthful. Um, always hard for me to remember. It's the Intergovernmental <laughs> Negotiating Committee. And this is where all of the people have signed up and also other stakeholders come together to start working on how they can make their way to an agreeable treaty. And this is all within like the United Nations Environment Program and the those meetings are twice a year. I just can't imagine what it was like being at those meetings and trying to come to some kind of a conclusion about how to reduce plastic pollution. Absolutely. And I think the first one, from what I, from what I understand, of course, I wasn't there. Um, but you know, the first one's always almost kind of like the honeymoon stage. Everybody's really excited and they're all very happy. But then by INC2, you know, you, you're starting to really discuss the sticky and important details and come to agreements. Um, and that's where it all starts to become much more difficult. Okay. Well, if you could, if you could have, this is your day for a big wish, Dana Winograd. <laughs> and if you could wish for something out of the treaty, what, what would you like to see done? Can I see a few things? Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely <laughs> top of the list, of course, is that we have to dramatically reduce the production of plastic and the amount of fossil fuels that we're extracting from our earth. That has to be we need to see a cap and we need everybody to agree upon this across the globe. OK, now, why, so that's, why is that so important? A cap on well, production? Can't we just reduce so pollution? The, no. Well, it's the virgin plastic. You know, it's it's actually the the greenhouse gas emissions associated with the actual extraction of the fossil fuels are causing big problems. That's not the only, those aren't the only problems, but it starts right from there. So we need to, right from the beginning, agree to stop producing so much plastic. All right. And everything follows kind of after that. Right. But and, th so that's my one big wish. <laughs> and I guess, I guess part of the problem is we don't include the environmental cost of disposal into the plastic, right? So still a plastic cup is cheaper, I think, than a paper cup. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, it's hard. You have to look at a lot of different things, you know, is, you know, Where's the paper coming from? Where's the plastic coming from? How much it's traveling? All those kind of things. So let's not get into the life cycle assessments of things, but you're right. We often, we're not thinking about end of life, uh, but that's a little bit of a tricky one because we don't, the way that I see the plastics treaty being discussed is a lot about end of life, but it's talking about the recycling of our plastic that we're going to continue to make at the same pace. So that's where the problem is. Yes, of course, it's the one of the bigger problems with plastic is what's happening to it at, at its end of life. But we can't solve that problem by saying, oh, we're going to miraculously figure out how to recycle it now, even though we've been trying for decades and it hasn't proven to work. Exactly. Um, that's never going to be the, the solution. So we have to we have to make sure that through this plastic treaty process that it doesn't go too far down the line of focusing only on things like chemical recycling and and even redesign for recycling which is really important we must design for recycling but not not to continue making plastic at the same pace you know exactly. we need to design the things that we are making but reduce how much we are creating as well exactly yeah because uh, i keep looking at studies that show that we're still going to be increasing the plastic production for a long time. Oh, like doubling it in the next 20 years. Yeah. That's the, those are the estimates based on, you know, the, the, the infrastructure that's being, that's coming online. Yeah. So, so that's really looking at it at the start of its life is really important in this process, but there's, there's so many things we need to wish for. We need to, <laughs> we need to think about the chemicals that are being used in the plastic. So we need to be banning and regulating better the, the chemicals that are in that plastic that we do uh, create. And that has implications um, to help the people who are working with the plastic, so the, the workers. It also is the, the people who use the plastic because the plastic is impacting on our health. And then of course, the people that have to handle it at the end of life as well. So the, the chemicals that are used is a really important piece of what they need to discuss at this global level. Right. Um, uh, you, I'm sure you've heard of things like endocrine dis disruptors, which are you know proven chemicals that are in the plastics that we use that are impacting on 
our reproductive systems and our health. So, you know, somebody, we need to, to stop allowing these type of chemicals to be used in our plastics. Right. And so, the sad thing is the chemicals are mostly used really for just marketing, right? They're, I mean, they're adding it so that the plastic bottle looks a certain way and appeals to me in a certain way, right? Or maybe oh, well, there are, maybe well, there are some rigid. chemicals that are being used that way, but there are, I mean, chemicals are used as, as in firefighting foams. They're used in nonstick coatings on, on, um, on our cookware. Yeah. They're used to make your plastic soft and pliable. Exactly. So there are, we, that's the, the hard thing. There are reasons for using these chemicals, but you know, just because you need to use that doesn't mean it's the right thing right. to be doing. Well, it's the difference between need and want, right? Yes. So let's get exactly what do we need? Yeah. And finding other alternatives. And really, if you're forced not to use it, what happens is a chemical will be banned and they'll just replace it with another chemical that's equally bad, but isn't on the radar. This is just this cycle exactly. that's been happening over the years. Very smart that are producing plastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have, I have a few more wishes. Oh though. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, you know, we talked to, we talked a little bit about design. We really want, um, we really want circularity in the plastics that we do produce. So they need to be designed to be repaired. You know, you've got the right to repair laws happening in Europe. That's something I would love to see happening in Hong Kong. I, love it. I think we should have a right to refill and reuse. No more shops saying, no, you can't bring your own. There is, you know, legislation to say you can bring your own. And there's not just legislation for you to bring your own, but systems in place that allow you to um, use a refillable, reusable system that's in, that's, everywhere. It's in every coffee shop. It's in every restaurant. So these are the kind of things that will spawn out of this plastic treaty. Yeah. Because we'll have to, we can't keep going business as usual. We can't keep producing single use plastic if we want to meet the targets. So that's a real benefit to each and every one of us oh. of, of the plastic treaty. So, and then similar to that, you know, you look at Europe and they have, I know Germany has the target of, you know, everyone's got to companies, or organizations have to get to a certain percentage of reuse, right? In, in, within their distribution systems. And that, that would be heaven here for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, we just have to watch the wording. And that's what, um, that's what the next INC I think is going to be talking a lot about. And that is making sure we get, you know, definitions right. Because a lot of times they say this, you know, you must meet targets that it is recyclable or reusable or reef, you know, and so you can find a way to fit in, even though it might not be the best option. You know, we, we also don't want to be switching from plastics to other materials. We want to be that are single use. Mm. We don't want to cause a problem with the use of paper um, or you know, other new materials that are being made, compostable materials and whatever, when we still have the same, some of the same problems to deal with. We still have waste management problems. We still have infrastructure problems. So we want to be making sure that we're moving away from single use as well as the plastic, but away from single use and into refillable and reusable options. Right, exactly. And just stop single use. So yes, it's when it, whenever it's where, whenever it can be, you know, often people say, oh, but we need single use for medical. Well, of course, there are certain places where you need single use plastic. It is your best option. But 
a single use takeaway lunchbox is not a necessity. So <laughs> let's focus on the things that we really don't need. Um, one other thing that I'm also a bit concerned with is, is like I, I mentioned earlier, chemical recycling, for example. These, we have to be careful that we don't go down the route of false, what's known as false solutions by some people. You know, chemical, um, chemical recycling is, is new. It's unproven. It gives off a lot of carbon emissions. It, it's very intensive. It's expensive. So we can't fall into this trap of saying, oh, but we can still keep using it because we've got chemical recycling and other new technologies to solve our problem. That's, again, putting our hopes into the end of life and not changing and reducing from the very get-go. So that's another uh, something that we, that that needs to be looked out for in this whole process. And people as well, you know, just because you know you can recycle something doesn't, or you think you can recycle something, doesn't mean you should continue using it. So we as individuals have to remember that as well. Yeah, because even though it's recyclable, the question is, does it really get recycled? So yeah, yeah global rates of recycling are so low. All right. So are you done with your wish list or do you have more? Well, I have more wishes, but for the sake of time, maybe <laughs> one other thing I want to really, which it, it impacts us here in Hong Kong, but more so in, in developing countries is that we make sure that, that the workers who have been helping us out in the informal sector with this recycling are not just dropped. There's a whole network out there of people in the world who rely on collecting and recycling. It may not be in the most environmentally friendly manner. It may not be healthy for them, but they rely on it. So we need what is known as a just transition for these people as well. So think about the, the cardboard grannies or, you know, that we have in Hong Kong and the other people who we see who are, are working towards trying to, to get us um, recycling in a better way. We can't forget about them and just say, oh, we shouldn't be doing that anymore. It, we need to consider everybody in the party, in the, in the, sorry, not in the party, but in the, in the room, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And in the just transition. Yeah. That, so that's a, a key that's a one. piece as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, are you optimistic though? Are you, what do you, what do you think is going to happen next year? 2024. Jeez. <laughs> I'm very optimistic in the fact that we are discussing this at such a national or global, not national, not only national level, that this is being discussed by many people. There have been groups spawned out of this. For example, uh, there's, you know, science is unfortunately lacking a little bit in this whole discussion, but the scientists have got themselves together and they've formed an organization um, they're called the Scientists Coalition for an Effective Plastic Treaty, and they're getting their word in. So from that point of view, I am, I am positive. I'm hopeful that we're moving in the right direction. It remains to be seen what the end result will look like, given there are so many different ways of getting to where we need to be depending on the view that you're coming from. You know, the people who are still manufacturing, producing oil, you know, plastic and, and extracting oil, they have a very different opinion on how this process should look than the people who are um, in the, maybe the less developed countries who are feeling the real brunt of plastic. And also 
to the people of the world who just want to see an end to this plastic problem. And I think a lot of people do. They just have to be convinced of how to get there. <laughs> so whether or not this process of talks, which are supposed to end by the end of 24, is actually doable is, to me, very, very ambitious. But I, I hope that we do get there. Yeah, you know, at least they're trying. So, you know, absolutely. And you know what, even if it just spawns these new ways of thinking that people and businesses already, we see it. Companies are using more recycled content in their, their products. They're, they're creating refillable and reusable um, models for selling their, their products. So stuff is already happening. So that's positive and it will only get better out of this. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Dana, thank you so much for joining and explaining that to us. It is rather complicated, very ambitious, but pretty exciting for Hong Kong. So we're crossing fingers. Yes, absolutely. And remember, keep reducing, reusing, refilling, repairing. <laughs> so many R's we can do as individuals to you know, really make change happen. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. 